What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect podcast show. My name is Paul Verzi. Today is Saturday, January 12th, 2013, and you guys are listening to episode number 94. Uh, Last couple of episodes had a guest, but I am flying solo once again. Uh, back uh, on uh, on this show, I'm back to normal because I usually don't have a guest. I usually have a guest, uh, or I only have a guest, I should say, when you know I'm, I'm. There's just somebody that I know real well. I'm working with them. They're funny. We have a good time. We talk about something. Um, and I think I'm gonna have a guest for uh, Super Bowl, and I definitely want to do something special for episode uh, 100, which is really approaching quickly. Here we're already at uh, 94, which I can't believe it's over two years of doing the show. And um, I appreciate the growth in the show. And um, that leads me into my sponsor. As you guys know, we got a sponsor. Uh, we got a sponsor right before the year ended last year. Butterfly Radio. Please download Butterfly Radio for free on your iPhone. It is an app where you have access to the podcasts on there. And it allows you to leave a uh, audio message. You can also register on ButterflyRadio.com to start your own podcast and uh, as many podcast just you could get different channels talk about different things you want to have one podcast talking about sports and another podcast talking about movies it allows you to do so it allows you to have your own account with pictures and all that so that's butterflyradio.com and you could download the app for free on your iPhones um, really uh, happy to have those guys on board the show and uh, appreciate them sponsoring the Verzi effect uh, this week Gonna talk some, uh, gonna talk, well, we got, you know, we got a nice packed show. We're gonna talk a little, um, Honey Nut Cheerios, the Carmelo Anthony incident, which is hilarious, and we'll get into that. If you guys don't know, he had a little incident with Boston Celtic Kevin Garnett. Some shit was talking, and some, some serial shit got talked. So we will, uh, get into that, which is hilarious and bizarre altogether. All right, we're going to talk about um, some issues going on in uh, in comedy. We will talk about. I'm gonna. We're gonna. Talk, we're gonna get a little. Tell. Tell me. Tell a story that I, I don't know if I told the story on the podcast before, but um, if I did, it was so early in it, and I really, to be honest, I don't believe I ever did tell the story um, on the podcast. But if I did, it was probably so long ago, and uh, I just want to because in in I guess. I guess it's just like kind of because of all these horror movies that are coming out, these possessed people and these haunted house spoofs and and all kinds of stuff with horror movies and everything. And there's been a lot of, if you watch the coming attractions, like it's all these little white girls getting possessed and, you know, just some really crazy shit. I also saw a trailer to a movie called, uh, was it Dead Evil or Evil Dead or some shit like that? And it was the most intense trailer I've ever seen. I'm sure some of you people know about it. This shit looked like the original Exorcist times a million. Like it, it, This looks like the most intense. It was the most intense trailer. I've never seen anything like it. So when that comes out, that's going to be one to probably really freak people out. Um, but I have a story that'll kind of freak you guys out too. I was thinking about it and I just said, you know, in light of all of these damn you know, movies coming out, uh, I'll, I'll tell a, a creepy story. Okay. And I know it's hilarious, but I still, this is like an ongoing gag. You guys probably think it's a gag. I, I can't find my journal. So that's going to definitely be an episode. It's almost like, uh, you know, 
it's never going to happen, so I'm just going to keep talking about it. And one day, you guys are going to be like, holy shit, he's got his red journal and he's able to, you know, <laughs> talk about or, or, you know, share some of the entries when I first started out doing stand-up. But no, um, right off the bat, I'll talk, into, uh, talk about some comedy. Having great time at these local clubs. You know, I'm working stand-up New York and, and Gotham Comedy Club now and, and um, obviously my home club, The Stand. And just working on new stuff and, and crowds have been great and people are coming out. But something awesome happened at Stand Up New York and I have to talk about this and I have to commend them and I have to praise them for doing this because it was awesome. Like it was everything you as a comedian you'd want to see and just the way somebody needed to really be put in their place and the and the club did it. Um, but we... We go into, I go into the club, I believe it was last Sunday night, right? And I go into Stand Up New York, and the place is packed, okay? And I'm about to go on, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, no, no, it was not Sunday, it was Wednesday. I was there Sunday, but then I was also there Wednesday. This was Wednesday night, I go in there, place is packed, there's a line out the door, and I'm waiting to go on stage, and someone's on stage, and there's a woman, and the show just started pretty much, and there's a woman who just won't stop. Tip, and I've always said this to you guys when I talk comedy on the podcast, and it's no disrespect, to, um, you know, it's no disrespect towards women, but, you know, what we find in the business is the majority of hecklers or the majority of people loud are women who can't keep their fucking mouth shut or have something to say or take things literal or get drunk and they think someone's being misogynistic and all kinds of shit like that. This wasn't the case. This was just a loud drunk girl like talking really loud with her friends like right as the show pretty much started or even a few minutes into it and she's just talking and finally um, Bob DeBono, comedian, was on stage and he just goes, will you shut the fuck up? Just shut up. And she goes, well, you're not entertaining me. And she put her hands up. Real fucking cunt, right? And she's just the worst. And she's looking around at her friends and she's like smiling and she thinks she's fucking, you know, cute and all this shit. And I don't I don't know if they want me to mention names, so I'll just say the, the girl who's at the door at Stand Up New York who's cool as hell, she walks into the room pissed and she walks right up. Like they didn't bullshit or wait around and she walked right up to this woman, and like, scolded her, it was fucking epic, it was awesome, she just goes, you know something, you gotta stop talking, or you're getting, or we're kicking you out of here, like, she was talking to her, like, it was so great, how she didn't care if she would lose a customer, she was just like, you're getting the fuck out, and then the girl just turned around and goes, wow, I was just talked to like that, and then sure enough, like, she gets up and leaves, and then her pussy boyfriend waited a little while and followed her, followed her out. But it was just so good. And I just want to say that lately, when you talk about clubs, why is that club so good? Or that, that club's been awesome lately. You want to know why? Because you get you cut the cancer out. You get the fuck out because people are here to see a show. And I walked up to the owner, okay, and I said to him, I go, I just want to let you know what your employee did was awesome. Okay, and this is why this is one of the best rooms as far as crowds go in the city. That's why. And he shook my hand. He said, I appreciate it. I go, that's what the fuck needs to be done. Okay, and this has nothing to do with a community. Sometimes it's great getting into it back and forth and you have fun. And as a professional, you put these people in their place. But just when you just know that the person's too drunk and and also, uh, you know, there's some other clubs that if they see somebody too drunk, 
they're like, listen, I'll give you tickets for another night, but you can't go in there right now. That's just the best, and it makes for a good time. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that quick story because it was uh, it was so cool to see somebody just get talked to the way they needed to be talked to by the by the establishment. It was it was awesome, um, and and the shows have been great. But I'm going through a little issue here, okay? And after you hear it, you're going to be like, oh, well, that's a good problem to have. Yes, it is a good problem to have, but at the same time, it can be really stressful. What's going on is, um, luckily, I'm very fortunate, I'm very humbled, I'm very proud that, um, you know, I have some opportunities now to showcase for a bunch of television networks. Um, I'm doing uh, Mark Cuban and the Ryan Seacrest um, Access TV stuff, um, which uh, is going to air live. Uh, it's going to air live on Access TV, Direct TV. It's on. It's on pretty much. Almost, it's like in 50 million homes. If you have Direct TV, I believe it's channel 340. Um, but you could check. You could check the. You know, just it's Access TV, and I'm doing that live from. It's called uh, the the name of the television show is called uh, Gotham Comedy Live, and it's going to be shot obviously at Gotham Comedy Club. It's hosted by uh, Orlando Jones, and there's going to be four of us comedians now. That's awesome. I'm happy about it. It's great. But now I have some opportunities coming up where, and this is just inside shit. I always like to give this shit to you guys during, the, you know, my podcast. I want you guys to know, like, there's no sense in having a podcast and just talking about, you know, regular shit all the time. Like, I would like to bring you, like, the description of my show is I like to bring you into the world of comedy and let you guys know some some behind-the-scenes stuff, and the show's been praised for that, and that's what you guys deserve. So, um... What's going on is I have some opportunities now to showcase and perform in front of like like more television networks. You know, I don't want to you know say names, but really big ones. You know, big comedy. You know, big comedy networks and and big networks that that do comedy and you know and stuff like that, and even some family networks. There's a lot of things going on here. Now the problem is, I want to do well on all of them, and yeah, I have a lot of time, I can do, you know, I can do, clearly I can do over an hour if I have to do that, and I'm always writing, and I'm always trying new things on stage, here's the problem, when I showcase, I want to use some of my best new stuff, I don't really like to go backwards, and I'm going to be doing a bunch of showcases, and if two, if, if, if I already have one thing that landed, but let's say if another one lands, then what do I do with that, so what I've been really stressed out about is what material to use for each network, one network wants you to be kind of clean. One network needs you to be 100% clean. Another network wants you to kind of be, you know, you can be dirty and say whatever. Obviously, don't abuse the, the, the dirty language. So I have these opportunities, and it's great. But at the same time, I don't want it to hurt me. And I never want to be the comic where, like, oh, well, you know, he just did the same act. I never, like, I don't want to do the same act on all the t all the shows. You know what I mean? And and you know, but I also want to give my best stuff. So I've been stressed out about it, to be honest. Because now I'm like, all right, man, I got this joke, I got that joke. Well, maybe for this show, I could, you know, there's a couple of jokes that I might have to do in a different way. I don't know, but anyway, that's something that's going on right now. And again, um, I know there's probably some people out there and I know there's probably especially some comedians out there going yeah well fuck you I you know but trust me number one I was where you were if you don't have that opportunity believe me okay I worked I, I worked a lot to, to to even have this opportunity and I was there but number two you'll see what I'm saying it's not I'm not trying to be a dick it's just like I don't I don't want to I don't want to 
you know, ruin anything or, or not ruin anything. I don't even know the right word to say, like the terminology I'm trying to use. I don't want to, I don't want to take the easy way. You know, the easy way is to come up with one set and then just do it for everything and like kind of tailor it to what the network's want. I don't want to do that. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to show, you know, all kinds of different material. But, you know, I'm going to be honest. I'm Sometimes I'm dark. Sometimes I'm edgy, you know. And, and you know, I, I would say that I probably don't have a, an, a, a huge amount of television-ready material I mean, I guess I do if, if I could, you know, if, if it's a little lenient. I should say I don't have an abundance of, like, late night for, like, middle America eight-year-olds sitting up at night drinking a glass of milk with their parents. I don't know if I have an abundance of that because that's just not the type of comedian that I am. You know, um, I don't know why I said glass of milk. I just I just felt like that's what middle America would be doing at 8 o'clock or whatever, 11 o'clock at night. Actually, they should be in fucking bed. What am I talking about? Anyway, you guys know what I'm saying. So that's kind of what I'm wrestling with right now. And it's it's really bothering me because I'm like, man, what if I do this? Should I do this? Then I'm like, should I just fucking not care and just do what I want and see what they say? Because you never want to, as a performer, as an artist, you never want to really, you know, mo- like try to mold yourself into en- what anybody wants, you know. And it's been frustrating. I had a big network tell me that um, they like me and they think I'm funny, but... There are certain things I'm talking about that that really that I, I can't, you know, and I, <laughs> I can't talk about some of it. I get, you know, some of it I don't. Some of it's the politics of the game. But um, I'm really thankful for the opportunities. And, I, you know, I, I want to say that, you know, I think when you work really, really hard, I, I truly believe this and I'm seeing this. And, and I, I, as I've said to many comedians who listen to this show. Um, who feel like they, they have nothing like you really do get what you put in and if you want to be great and if you are hungry um, things will start to turn for the better I, and you know there's so many more things I want to do and the only way to do it is through hard work and writing and getting up and being willing to take chances and do all that stuff but um, now there's a few things and, and again, something may hit, something may not hit, but you know, I've kind of, you know, got told, Hey man, do this and the right things can happen if you do this. But it's like, yeah, but if I do that, what do I do for that other television showcase? And now I don't want to ruin anything or screw myself up. Or, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is too, you don't want to feel like a, you know, you don't want to feel like a, a fraud, not, not a fraud. You don't want to feel like somebody that's t- taking an easy way by doing the same stuff that you know works even for TV. So I guess I may have to take some chances on TV, <laughs> which I'm willing to do if I get the opportunity. So um, that's one thing that I've been wrestling with. That's a little like inside things that I think a lot of comedians go through, and that's just something that I'm going through right now. And I hope that it works out. But believe me, guys, if you're out there and you're working hard and stuff and you want to showcase, just keep writing and dig deeper and, and really don't pander to the crowd and don't worry about the crowd all the time. You know, you'll feel better when you go home talking about the shit you really wanted to talk about and finding the funny in in truth and your life than you will if you do safe stuff that you know works and the crowd laughs. Because then you're going to go home and go, wow, I'm doing my job well. People are laughing, but how come? Because that happened to me. You know, that happened to me. At the beginning of my career, like the first half of my career, I was like, man, like I'm doing well and I'm killing and people are coming up to me and I'm laughing. And, and they're laughing at me, and, and, and I'm feeling good about what I'm doing. But how come, wh- why, I, why 
why aren't enough people paying attention to this? And I realized I just fell into the category of funny comedian. But there's a lot of that. That That's a big bag of that. Then there's a smaller bag of like funny comedian who's got their their own way about them, talking about real stuff, you know, funny and, and memorable and all that shit. And that's, you know, stuff. So I don't want to harp or dwell on that, but I just want, you know, because I've known that I've gained a lot of listeners. And I just want you to know that if you're sitting there and, and you feel... You know, I remember Dane Cook said something once, and, uh, you know, whatever you feel about Dane Cook, I, I have my, you know, my thoughts on him, and I'm not here to talk about what you think about Dane Cook's comedy, but he said something in the business which is really, really smart and amazing, was that, you know, he felt he wasn't invited to the party, and I I know what that felt like. And, you know, I, I, in, in some sense, I still know what it feels like because I'm not really invi- like I'm not one of those like, you know, I'm, I'm the type of act where I just need to get so undeniable because I'm not really, you know, I'm, the alternative comedy scene is really big. And although I do well in those rooms, I'm not considered that I'm not looked at as that. And that's pretty much what industry is really looking for right now. And I'm not stupid. I get that. You know, they're looking for castable people. They are looking for funny, though, but they're looking for castable. But I always just felt like I'm just a straight up dude, man. I'm just a dude. You give a microphone. I talk and, 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 you know, you try to be funny. And now I'm getting a little more respect and recognition because I'm starting to be real and honest and talking about my real life and being my real self on stage. And I think that that that's the difference but you know don't don't think like oh man you got to know somebody and you got you really don't and here's another thing that was said I remember Rich Voss said this to me uh in the green room at the stress factory he goes you know you're thinking that you're competing with people you're not competing with anybody you're just competing with yourself you know and and that's a great way to look at it like look at it like it is golf you know, look at it like when you go out and play golf, you don't really care. I don't care about pl- beating the people I'm with. I just care about that my golf game is getting better every time because eventually when it gets good enough, people are going to know. And that's how you got to look at this. So um, please take my word and understand that if you're a comedian and you're listening to this podcast right now, okay, um, good things can happen if you know nobody, if you feel like nobody is in your corner. And if you feel, you know, not to sound fucking corny or anything, but if you feel alone, you feel like, you know, you're just treading water and you can't, you can't get over it. Like that's something that you need to go through and you need to go through beaten on stage and you need to kill on stage. You need to go through everything, but just know that, you know, I'm slowly starting, slowly starting to, to, to move up and get, you know, respect in this business, but it only is coming because I'm working my ass off. I'm digging deeper with my material. I'm being more real with my material. And I'm not giving a fuck what the crowd thinks. Fuck the crowd. They're dumber than you. Or the majority of them, they're dumber than you. You know, a lot of them. And I don't mean any disrespect to people that are, are you know, love to go to comedy clubs. And I'm sure if you're listening to my podcast, you, you're probably a comedy, you know, purist and, and you get it. But I'm talking about the masses that just line up and they, they're, they're fucking out to go drink and they, oh, yeah, we'll see. Like, I'm, I'm not talking about you if you're like, oh, I love comedy and I love watching this comedian work. Uh, that's different than somebody who's just like, yeah, we're going to a club and we're going to drink and we're going to go, he better be funny. <laughs> like, I'm talking about those fucking idiots. They're stupid. They just line up out there like, bunch of fucking cattle you know and and don't worry about them 
You know, I offend some people. And, and to be honest, you know, I'm starting to offend women. And that bothers me because it doesn't bother me. It just bothers me that you're not listening to my joke. You're not listening. If you're listening to my whole act. And I could see where, you know, some people can think, oh, man, what is he? Because I, I get on women. But, you know, something if I'm fighting with my wife and I feel like, you know, I'm going to talk about it. But what you got to listen to is how much I talk about, you know, my how much I love my daughter and how much, you know, I, I'm, I am a married man in a, in a committed relationship. And I don't, you know, cheat on my wife and do that shit. But people come up to me. I've had women say, oh, you know, you're kind of a little hard on women. You're a little hard on women. And it's like, yeah, well, that's what I'm going through right now. Doesn't mean I hate women. If, if you think that that's ridiculous. And anybody who, who actually is listening to my act should know that. But that's fine. Some people are going to leave, you know. I don't know if I told the story. I got into it with a with a female um, female comedian. I'm not going to mention any names, but uh, you know, I did a show and and it went really really well. And then at the end, they let me go longer. And they walked up the girl walked up to me afterwards, and she was laughing all throughout my set. And at the very end, I talked about something about women, and she goes, "Man, you hate women." And I'm like, "I don't know how you could, you know, I don't." Apparently, the crowd of people who were laughing and clapping and loved what I did, didn't think that, but you know something, you're going to get maybe 1% to 5% of people that like really take it literally and think something, that's fine, the old me would have cared, now I don't, the only thing I care about is that people aren't like really listening to me and knowing me, you know, and, and I feel like if you do listen to my act, you know that, that I don't fucking hate women, Or but then there was a time when I was talking about my OCD violent thoughts and people would come up to me like, dude, you're, you're fucking... Are you alright dude? You're like, you are you violent? Like that's it, you just can't, anytime you talk about something real, somebody's gonna say something, but that's fine, let them, you know, the people that really understand, that's gonna be your fan base. And, you know, and just dig deeper. Joe Matteris and I had a great conversation the other night in the car, and he said like, certain comedians are high percentage comedians, where it's like, they go, they say something, you know, they, they're, they're funny, and it doesn't have some kind of crazy, deep, insane, like, angle. And not that you have to have that, but it's also you want to make sure that you don't do things that just don't separate you. And you just do something that, oh, yeah, you said that joke, but it's kind of like how somebody did it in a different way or something like that. You kind of want to just have people know who you are and separate yourself. So um, I'm trying to really come up with you know, things in my life that are just real and not, not care what people say, so, uh, and I'm going through this shit with these, uh, with this material, so we'll see what happens, but, um, you know, all I want to do is give the crowd the best and give them me the most, and, uh, I'd appreciate it if you guys are around, if you guys have Access TV, you guys can check out some stuff, um, that we're doing on, uh, on, uh, Access TV, uh, Gotham Comedy Live, I will be doing that on, uh, Thursday at 10 o'clock. I'll plug that at the end of the show, but just issues with material. All right. Now, um, I didn't mean to be long-winded on that, but I know what comedians go through and I know they need to hear that shit. You do. You need to hear it and you need to, you know, and if you know somebody funny, tell them, even if you're a comedian and you're, tr you think you're competing with them and somebody says a funny bit, go up to them and be like, dude, that bit you did was fucking hilarious. That was awesome. I love it, man. Because people need to hear that and it keeps them going and it keeps them getting there. And if you're around somebody, if you're with the, and this is the last thing I'll say about this, okay? Eve, you're going to have to cut out friends in your comedy career that are comedians with you. Okay. You're going to have to cut them out. And it's going to be very hard, but they're a cancer. And you know who I'm talking about. 
I'm not talking about the friend that unconditionally supports you and when you get something and they don't, they're still like, yeah, dude, I'm proud of you. And that's a really hard thing. It's hard for me. You know, if you want me to be 100% real, and, and I've talked to other comedians about it, when your friend gets something, if you genuinely love them, yeah, you're happy and everything, and you're thinking, man, like, I'm trying to fucking climb this ladder too. That's a normal thing. But to be jealous and knock them down, that's different. You know, you could envy it and say, man, that's really awesome. Like, I really, like, I, I really see how you did that, and I'm really trying to do that, and I love that to be me, but I'm really happy that you got that, and I'm going to tell people. That's different. That's nice. But if you're around somebody that's trying to knock you, and you're probably shaking your head right now going, yeah, I know, that motherfucker always does that to me. Get him out. Don't take his calls. I had a friend that used to do that shit to me, man. Every time I got off the phone, my wife would be like, dude, you gotta, you gotta fucking... Well, she didn't say dude first, but um, just how I talk. But she she would say, every time you get off the phone with that guy, you, your mood changes. It's just like, because it was just this competitive... I'm insanely competitive. I even tweeted this week and I said that I'm so competitive. I'm competitive about being competitive. Like if someone tells me they're competitive, I'm like, yeah, yeah me too. I'll, like, I'll beat you in something. That's how I am. That's just, that's just the way that I am. And, you know, and that's why I, when I play sports, I compete real hard. And, and I'm just, I like to win and I like to be good at what I do. And in comedy, it's the same way. But when you have friends, you need to understand things. James Goff and I, James was on the show with me and uh, Angelo Lozado, a couple of, you know, the show where we got a little crazy and laughing and stuff. And he said like, it, yeah, it, there is definitely some times where you have a friend and they get something. But if you're with somebody and they try to cut you down when you do well, and that's how you'll know, you know. Like you do something good or you guys both audition for something. You both audition for like a Comedy Central or you both audition for a stand-up that's going to be on a, on a television network and yours goes a little, and yours goes good. If that person just treats you different, tries to knock you down, tries to kind of, you know, in their own way, you'll be able to get the sense. You know the way people can sense shit. You'll be able to know that. If that's the case, you know, got to cut them out slowly. You could be civil, but you just got to let them know that you know like it's over. It's fucking over. That's it. It's like having a crazy, you know, relationship. Somebody crazy in a relationship. You know, this is hard as it, this is hard enough, guys. This business of stand-up is hard enough. You go out there, every fucking night you get out there, you're you're competing with yourself. You have to prove yourself. You have to come home and write. You got to figure out how to get better. You got to see who's on top of you and how did how you're gonna get, how you're gonna get there. All that shit you have to do in this business. That's tough. Not to mention by you know sometimes you can make decent money. Sometimes you don't. When you're starting out and you're newer, there's really no money. And if you're a day job comedian, listen to this. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So it's already hard. The last thing you need to do is have it hard and then have somebody who's supposedly in your corner making it harder. Fuck that. Fuck that. You know, that's just ridiculous. So, you know, but it's a constant, it's a constant grind and it's a constant climb. And, you know, the perfect example of that is Denzel Washington, who is a, an amazing actor, an Academy Award winning actor. You know, I, I might have mentioned this before on the show, but he's such into perfection and getting good and getting better that he still goes to like regular acting classes with like regular up and coming actors to just learn different things or to stay sharp. So that's what this is, and, and, you know, and we were shooting a documentary. That's what I'll get into next. We're shooting a documentary uh, the other night. Uh, I performed at Gotham, which is awesome club, by the way. 
Um, and, you know, and not to say that these other clubs aren't great, but of course I'm going to plug the clubs that, that work me and also, you know, that really are great clubs. But I was performing at Gotham on Thursday night, and then after I did the show, I met up with, uh, you know, my, my buddy Ta and a and, um, friend, uh, Thomas Lewis. Shout out to Thomas Lewis, who is um, up and coming, um, you know, comedian himself, and he's also um, shooting the documentary uh, with me, and he's been helping me. He's been a partner on my movie project, and uh, it's going great. And we did something the other night, and we were talking. And we were we were talking about, and this is I'm, I'll give you like a little sneak peek of the you know of 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 the documentary. But you know, one thing that comes up in it is what if your kids wanted to do comedy? And this goes for everybody, not not if you're a comedian, but for everybody that's listening to this right now. If your children wanted to be a comedian, whether it's your son, whether it's your daughter, whether they're babies right now, or you know older, getting out of college, and if they came to you and said, "I'm going to be a comedian." You know, you do what you want. You're their parent, but here's the thing. Just know that you'll know if they're serious. You'll know. So, like, I don't know if they could do that. That might be hard. No, no, no. You're going to know. Because if they're serious, they're going to do things that you can't believe they would do to get on stage. Okay? Sucking dick. It comes with... No, I'm just kidding. But no, seriously, like they'll do things that you'll be like, oh my God, he or she did that to get on stage. And that could mean driving five to seven hours for no money to just get on stage for 10 minutes. You know, that it could mean that. But if they're doing that, that means, holy shit, this is in them. That's a good sign. It's the people that are like, ah, I think I'm going to try, try comedy and, and, you know. I don't know if you guys heard the podcast that Bill Burr had with Michael Rappaport. But Michael Rappaport said, yeah, you don't go out to L.A. and try to become an actor if it's not something you have to do. You have to want to do it. Like, it has to be what you want to do. There's no bullshit in the, you know. So, yeah, that you got it. You just can't. So we were shooting the documentary, and, and that came up. And that's a piece of talking about if our kids wanted to do stand-up. But um, it was amazing, man. We shot a scene with Joe Matteris that is going to be insane and it's just uh we're we're really excited about what what's going on um it's it's uh, you know it's a documentary that's going to be awesome there's great great people in it bill burr is in it uh george carlin's daughter kelly carlin is in it joe matterese we got just a bunch of people uh james goffier on the show there's a bunch of different comedians uh from all over the place uh all over the country really and um cameos from people that you've seen you know uh you know on television and movies are going to be in this and it's going to be awesome so we shot that thursday night after my show and i'm real excited and i'm real excited for you guys to see it it's not coming out for a while there's a lot of work to do especially when you do a documentary film there's a lot of things that have to be done but you guys will know for sure when it is coming out um but i wanted to get in so so we're going to talk about we're going to talk a little movies right now and um holy shit this playoff game is about to start but we're going to talk, all these horror movies have been coming out now. The, you know, Marlon Wayans and, holy shit, hold on, where is this wire? Don't tell me. All right, I got it, I got it, never mind. All right. That would have sucked. All right, sorry about that. Had to make sure my, had to make sure everything was still fully going and charged and everything. All right, so. 
if, if I told the story on the podcast earlier in my podcast, I apologize to you uh, first listeners that are listening to this. If I haven't, buckle up. And for all you new listeners, this is this is for you, okay? Um, I We're talking about like just like ghost stories and ghosts and all these channels of ghost shit on TV and everything like that. And these movies are coming out now with all these exorcisms and all kinds of, you know, little girls in the woods with fucking green eyes and shit and running around and backwards on their feet and all kinds of acrobatic. Apparently devils or demons are like fucking, we're we're gymnasts. Because why is it that every, why why is it that every, like, possessed something can like spin their neck around or like run on all fours with their head in the opposite direction like a spider like why why is that like can't somebody just stroll down the street in a normal walk (laughs) with a normal walk and be evil you know like just walk around like i don't understand why you can't why does it have to be some head twisting contortionists and I'm tired of zombies walking around like they're like like they like they just puked. Why does the undead like why can't the undead have like a little swag? I want to see that. I want to see the first like zombie movie where they're just like I'm not. They don't have to talk because I know like if you just you probably wouldn't have much to say if you died and came back and you want to eat people. But you know, or that'd be cool too. Just watching zombies walk around. They always have. Decayed bodies, fine, I get the decayed bodies because they just came out of the ground. They've been sitting in the fucking ground for a long time. Their body's not going to look great. I get that. That that makes perfect sense. But my thing is, they always walk weird. They're leaned over. The exorcist people, you know, are acrobats. I w- how cool would it be to watch a zombie just stroll down the street like, you know, just a little gangster limp. It's going Like, even give a nod. That'd be a funny movie, like a zombie friend. Just like a zombie friend. He didn't like mope or anything. He would just be like, dude, I'm hungry. Like, are there some people? Like, can you guys show me people you don't like so I could eat them and I'll meet you back at the party or something? That'd be fucking hilarious. That'd be a funny comedy. It's my idea. But anyway, uh, you could call it my zombie friend. And it'll star... Who would, who would star... I'm going to try to come up with a perfect cast member for that. If there was a, like a, a dumb comedy coming out called My Zombie Friend. I could actually see Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill as a friend of the zombie. I could see. Who would be the zombie? That would be a funny. Trying to think. Comedy movies. I'd see. I could see like Ben Stiller being like. The dad of the the dad of the friend of the zombie. I don't know. I got to put this one together. But Jonah Hill would be in it. And uh, oh, maybe that weird kid. You know who could be in it? You know that weird looking kid? He was in um, Nick and... Is it Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist? He's weird. He was also in um, uh, Knocked Up. He was like the, the skinny kid in Knocked Up. He could maybe be the zombie friend. That might work. I'll figure it out. Anyway, or if you figure it out, just... I don't know. Message me if it's worth it or if it's too stupid. But anyway, so I got a ghost story for you guys. And um, it's just in light of all the ghost shit and horror movie stuff. But here it is. When I was in the 10th grade, I smoked cigarettes. And what I would do is I would... I think I did tell the story now that I now that I said it. 
So anyway, so I smoked cigarettes and I would listen to music before I went to bed. So I'm sitting outside and before I went outside, my mother says to me, I don't want, don't hang out with any friends. I hope any, no friends are coming over. And I was like, Ma, it's 10 o'clock. I'm going, I'm going to smoke the cigarette, listen to music. I'm going to go downstairs, lay down and go to bed. It's a school night. So I remember sitting there and I'm smoking a cigarette and truly the house next to us was haunted. It really was, people can believe it or not, but there was some shit that happened in that house that was really fucked up. And I don't want to get into it now, but like there were some things that happened that are unexplainable and it was like common knowledge that there was something in there. But not our house. Our house was next door. There was no issues at our house. And I'm sitting down and I'm smoking and I'm looking and it's dark. I just got this really crazy panicky feeling. Just a crazy panicky feeling, right? And I looked to the right. Like there was something to my right, man. It was really fucked up. It's that intuition stuff, you know? And I I look over to the right and there's nothing. So I'm just like, come on, man, you're in Fishkill, New York, you're in upstate New York, what do you, what do you, there's nothing up here. Like, I, and I'm, I was so stupid at the time, I thought geographically, like a ghost would be like, nah, dude, I'm not fucking around upstate, I'm not going to Fishkill, man. I mean, I might fuck with Poughkeepsie, I'm not going to Fishkill, you know. So, I'm sitting there again, start smoking my cigarette and listening to my music, kind of just unwinding before I go to bed, and sure enough, the feeling comes back stronger. And I look to the right again, and there's nothing there. And now I'm like kind of freaked out. I'm like, should I just go inside? Like, this is not a good feeling. Something's not right here. Just something's not right. So then I really talk myself like, stop being like this. What's wrong with you? Come on, man. Get your shit together, Paul. This is ridiculous. And I'm like, yeah, this is bullshit, right? So I'm sitting there again, and I'm listening to the music, and I'm smoking a cigarette, and I'm looking around, and all of a sudden... The feeling was overwhelming that something to the right by the bushes was coming to get me. And I freaked out. And right when I looked down, because I had my Walkman down, or no, it wasn't a Walkman, it was a Discman maybe. I don't know what it was. When I was, whatever, whatever it was, I just looked down at my music and I think I let rested my pack of cigarettes next to it. And I just looked down to grab it and I said, fuck it, I'm going in. And I went down to grab it because I just had this panic. Something was Something was wrong. And... As soon as I looked down to grab, you know, the stuff and go inside, the door popped open. It was my mother, and she was mad. She was mad at me. She goes, I told you not to have any friends here. So now I looked up at her like, what are you talking? I go, what are you talking about? She goes, yeah, I, I, I just saw your friend in a white hat run past the house. Dude, I, I just got the chills saying that. I fucking, I, every, I just drained. I just, like, all of the. I didn't even know what to say or do, so I just went in, and I went inside, and I told my mom, my mom was completely freaked out, and I was like, I swear to you, I had nobody there, I was smoking a cigarette and gonna come in, she goes, no, no, I saw it, I'm getting the chills right now, guys, again, as I'm telling you this, because I'm telling you right now, there was something was not right, and I felt it, and it was coming, dude, and it was fucking scared, the, this shit scared the fuck out of me. And when she said, like, white hat or white shirt, go past the, the house, I, I, there was nothing else to say. So, believe what you want. Uh, that was just something I wanted to share. Now I'll know if I ever told it again on this show, but I've done 94 episodes now, or I'm on the 94th, and I don't, I, I might have said it earlier, but I just wanted to bring that up, because there's about, there's, there, one of the sickest horror movies is about to come out soon, or the, the trailer is. 
Just type in trailer for either Dead Evil or Evil Dead, and it's the sickest trailer you'll ever see. Like, you have to be warned before you watch it. It is sick. I was on my computer on Facebook, and my friend IM'd me, Paul Bond, funny comedian out of Long Island. And he said, you want to see something really crazy? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, all right. He goes, I'm sending it to you now. And I watched it, and it freaked me out. It was nuts. So check that trailer out. But that's a story. That's a story I wanted to share. That's a real story. It's not made up. It's, I'll never forget it the rest of my life. And, um, you know, my parents know it, and they'll never, they, they know that it was real. So, but how scary is it that three times I felt something and it didn't get there or whatever? And then all of a sudden, like, I just saw, like, my mother said, I just saw your friend in white or a white hat run past the house. How can that be? How can that be if I was staring there and it was dark and there were bushes? Unexplained shit. And I'll tell you something else unexplained. There is no doubt in my mind, well, I also have, and I don't want to get into it, but I have personal, I have people that have seen like UFO shit, and they're very, very close to me, and it's no bullshit, and they told me some shit, whether you want to believe that or not, I'm telling you, that's it, and these, if you heard the story, but there's been, I mean, I don't think, I think it's very well documented that there's some shit, but that plane that the United States has, that's like that flat triangle, that black triangle, that, that I guess it's a stealth, but it's like the new stealth, it's some crazy shit, there is no way I th- I think, in my opinion, we'd be able to come up with that shit if we didn't have some kind of technology from another fucking world. Or at least the idea, like, it's insane how fast, what it can do, how it can maneuver, you know, and I think that that comes from unexplained shit, which is, which is some alien UFO shit. It's just my opinion. I don't want to get all nerdy and ghosty and all that shit on you guys, but I just wanted to share that. Okay, so... Moving forward, I got uh, we got an unacceptable for the week. Forty-one minutes in, I hope you guys are enjoying this one. Uh, f- I got a, I got unacceptable for the week, and here it is. I went. My mother-in-law was kind enough because I had to go down to the city and shoot something. I'm doing a web series for for Thrill List. Uh, if you guys saw that, I did that um, that turducken roast where I I basically we we roast I roasted a, an uncooked turducken. Well, it got good reviews by the website. The website called Thrillist. They have like 3 million subscribers. So now what they wanted to do because of that is it's going to spin off into a web series. And the web series is going to be comedians roasting inanimate objects. And uh, I just did another one yesterday. I roasted a bottle of special edition Hennessy. And it was it came out really funny. You know, we're goofing around. We're, we're joking about stuff. And... Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm being unprofessional, I just, oh shit, I just, I literally, how weird is that, I literally just turned around, oh my god, how weird is that, I literally just turned around and saw Baltimore kick off to Denver, and the guy caught it, and he just starts running, and I'm like, let me just watch this play as I'm trying to explain this, thinking that I could do two things at once, and the guy just took it to the house for a touchdown, and Denver's winning 7-0 right now. Anyway, okay, in the first quarter. So, anyway, I went. I had to go down to the city and roast this bottle of Hennessy. And there were other comedians roasting things. Really, really funny. So, my mother-in-law was kind enough to take my daughter, who I had because my son was in daycare, and she's going to keep my daughter overnight, whatever. So, 
My wife comes home from work. I go get my son after the city. And we decide, listen, we don't have a night where it's just us three without the baby. Let's take Lucas out. We'll take Lucas out bowling and we'll get dinner. So I told Lucas, I said, hey, when mommy gets home, we're going to go bowling. He's like, yeah, he's, you know, losing his mind. Kid is hilarious. The shit that my, that my son says is hysterical. So we go bowling. We're having a good time. And <laughs> I don't know how this kid knows some of the shit he knows at three. But he was dancing, and then after he danced, he's like, yeah, I just broke it down in the bowling alley. And I was like, what? Like, the, the shit that this kid says. Um, so, I know there's people like, yeah, my kid says this. I'm not trying to compete. I'm just saying. He says funny stuff. Uh, you know those people that do that? You're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Little Jimmy, you know, said this. And then you got the other parent. Like It's like that SNL sketch where the girl always tries to top the story. I'm not... <laughs> um, but we go there, and this is the unacceptable for the week. And don't get me wrong. It's a really nice bowling alley. You could go go-karts in there. $50. Again, not about the money. It's about the principle and how these people are bending people over and ass-raping them with these prices. $50 to bowl for an hour. Three of us. Now, we didn't get the second game in because we had dinner. Because they give you this dinner. This is really nice. Like, this is like, this is not some bowling alley off the side of the road. Like, this is actually a big facility that has, like, an arcade in it. And, like, you can have, like, I mean, huge companies and corporations have, like, they got real go-kart. Like, where you have to be, like, like briefed and shit. Like, you know those places where you have to, like, learn and you got to put a helmet and a jumpsuit and you learn how to use the go-kart. And there's, like, a real track and it's all kinds of racing rules and all kinds of stuff like that. And then they have these beautiful, like, nice bars and really elegant. And then they have this, like, unbelievable bowling alley and we go to it and I, fine it's a nice bowling alley so it should cost more than some other bowling alleys but $50 and then like the like to get like my son like a pizza or something's like $13 so a normal night of bowling shouldn't cost that so unacceptable for the week is how because of the bad economy some places and establishments just get away with just fucking you it, it was is ridiculous. Like we want to go bowling and eat, and, it's, and we end up spending probably well over. Uh, it's just so silly, you know. To, so, but we had a great time, and it wasn't about the money, you know. We had a great time. Um, we we bowled. My son was like dancing around. It was really nice. It was you know awesome to to do as a family. But fifty dollars to bowl for an hour, unacceptable, unacceptable. It's it's just the prices everywhere. They they're everything is starting to become a ballpark, and it shouldn't be. It's fucked up. Or it's, I don't know if it's like that all over the country, man. But here it's it's getting nuts. I'll tell you what. If I wasn't a comedian, I think I'd have to move. Like I mean, I love New York, I really do. But if I wasn't a comic, I don't know for at least a little while. You go down south and buy a fucking compound for like 55 grand. <laughs> you ever see those houses? There's like a house in Texas. Like you could buy a fucking house in Texas for like $250,000 and it, it looks like it, it's ridiculous. It's like a little city. But yeah, unacceptable. $50 for an hour of bowling and expensive food and stuff. Unacceptable for the week. All right, let's get into some NFL playoffs here. Last week, I predicted that uh, the Redskins 
and the Ravens would win. The Ravens won. The Redskins were winning by 14, and then RG3's leg. I said this during the game. I don't know if people will agree with this, but uh, Robert Griffin III, in my opinion, Stephen A. Smith was the only— I know you guys are going to think I'm crazy. I think in, in somewhere in the third quarter when it was just clear, and this is what let me know. There was one play, if you guys watching, you remember, he was jogging out of bounds. He was just jogging out of bounds. And he was grimacing in pain with the lightest jogging. Like, that guy can't be there. It's a liability now. I know he's got you there, but, you, you, you know, Seattle was coming back. It was inevitable Seattle was going to come back and take the lead. Why not? Why not just really... Just get him out for a little while, you know, just see, have the doctors look at him, you know, stretch him out or, or really look at it and see and just put the other guy in and see what's going on. Now, I know people could say, oh, the other guy came in and look what the other guy did. It was different circumstances. The other guy came in, didn't have the lead and it was just not, it wasn't, he, there was no momentum. He got thrown into it. it was, I think it was a different circumstance. So for me, I think RG3 should have been pulled in, the, in that game. And if you people think I'm bullshitting or whatever, or actually I'm, I'm the unpopular Argument, but I did say it. I texted it, and I, I just thought that it hurt them. Seattle's defense looks great. Um, I s- still can't believe the fucking Giants aren't in the playoffs. It still bothers me. I don't know what the fuck happened. Ugh. So my picks, my picks this week. I do think Denver is going to win. Uh, I think Denver is going to beat Baltimore just because they had off nine straight games, and I just witnessed a run back. No, I'm just kidding. I, I picked Denver. I pick the 49ers and Packers is tough. You know, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked with either. But I think the defense, yeah, I, I guess I'd have to say like, I. you know what? I'll say 49ers with the last second field goal. And I think that the other AFC game, Patriots and Texans, I like... I like the Patriots at home. I thought it was going to be more of a blowout, but I think the Texans are going to be, really be in the game. But I think at the end, New England's going to pull it off. And Seattle and Falcons. Seattle's defense is really good. Oh, man, I think this game is going to be a classic game. I just feel like with Seattle going down 14 nothing to the Skins and then coming back and winning, I think that that's on the road. I think that that's going to be really good. If they could take the crowd out of that Falcons game early, I think that they could win the game. So I'm going to say, oh, man, because Seattle, I mean, but the, the Falcons were... Oh, shit. Flacco just threw a bomb to Torrey Smith for a touchdown. 7-7. Wow. Wow. Ray Lewis Ray Lewis could be his last game. It's going to be a good one. So I guess I'll say Seattle just because of the defense and the poise they showed and what the young quarterback did. You know, so I'll say Seattle, New England, Denver, and 49ers. I predicted on this podcast before the season started the Super Bowl was going to be the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers. But like I said, I just think the injuries to Baltimore is going to be too much. Joe Flacco has not turned a corner enough to become the the guy to really take it there. And, you know, Peyton Manning and them look so good. They peeled off nine in a row, so that's why I'm taking them. All right, let's get into some Honey Nut Cheerios. Apparently, <laughs> the New York Knicks are playing the Boston Celtics last week, and 
apparently Kevin Garnett said, crossed the line to Carmelo Anthony and said, your wife tastes like Honey Nut Cheerios. Then they were like, no, no, he didn't say that, like, you know, in a gross way. He meant her breasts or whatever. I don't even know what that means. How, like, I play basketball on Monday nights. My hand is a week away from being healed. I love playing. I love the camaraderie, okay? And we, it could get, you know, I mean, not too much shit talking there. But if somebody said to me, your wife tastes like Honey Nut Cheerios, I would A, laugh, and then B, say, you are a sick individual because how do you even get to cereal from there? I could understand, hey, you know, I'm fucking your wife. Hey, how's your wife doing? Tell your wife I said what's up. Hey, by the way, I left my tie at your wife's house. Like something, or at your house. Can you, you know, that that could be like, dude, that you're crossing a line. But, and you shouldn't talk about a guy's wife tasting like anything. Because that's, that's crazy to say that. But how do you get Honey Nut Cheerios? Like, yeah, yeah, your wife tastes like Fruity Pebbles. Like, how do you get to cereal from there? Which I thought is funny. And what's even funnier is like, Carmelo Anthony gets suspended for going to the bus and waiting by the visitor bus. What was he saying? Like, no, nah, fuck, I'm staying here right now. I mean, he call my wife Honey Nut Cheerios. Like, you know, he said my wife tastes like Honey Nut Cheerios. Like, how do you not laugh at, like, the police must have laughed every time they heard that. That's the funniest shit talking in sports history. I, m- maybe ever. Well, how do you get there? I don't even understand. Like, how do you, like, even if he said something like, yeah, your wife tastes like, like, I don't know, pecan pie or something. Like, that. that that's still weird, but at least he's like kind of... But Honey Nut Cheerios? Hilarious. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so... I, I don't understand. <laughs> Your wife tastes like duck soup from uh, Wing Mings down the block. They have a special on Wednesday night. Yeah, that's what she tastes like. It's, it's just... It's so stupid. How do you get there? Guy's thinking about a cereal when he's talking. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard, and it's hilarious. Unbelievable. Speaking of my New York Knicks, they lost three straight. I think the Honey Nut Cheerios comment might have ha- hurt us in Indiana because Mello wasn't out, so we'll say that. But, you know, the nice thing is Knicks came back strong on the Bulls last night, even though they lost. They were down 20-something points basically the whole game or the second half, and they ended up getting it down to seven. So we'll see what happens, but they're still in second place. They're still looking great. You know, got some uh, injuries that are going to be better, and uh, like Shumpert's coming back and stuff, so hopefully it works out. But not worried, very happy with the Knicks, into watching them every time they play. That's been great. Finally, last order of business, folks, and I don't mean to say I told you so, but I got a lot of shit for talking shit about Lance Armstrong from friends. No, no, he passed all the tests. He passed hundreds of tests. He's a good guy. And I wasn't trying to be a dick. And I don't like to see the downfall of anybody. But I mentioned that there's an arrogance with this dude. And I, a lot of people, oh, he passed all the tests and he did this and leave him alone. It's a witch hunt. Come on, dude. It's a witch hunt, dude. Look what they're doing. They always like to drag. And I said, this dude is so filthy. No way, man. It's a witch hunt. Well, guess what? He's going to go talk to Oprah and admit to doping. He did it, folks. He did it. And and you know why I don't like this guy? I don't like this guy because this guy, first of all, I think he left his wife for a celebrity after she stood by him with cancer. But when you spend millions of dollars on a lie, you're a fucking, you're a fucking loser. 
And like I said before, it's about looking in the mirror. If you could look yourself in the mirror, I couldn't do it. If I took a pill that made me the funniest fucking comedian ever, like if I just took a pill and I was like Richard Pryor, George Carlin level, and everyone's like, oh my God, this guy's a monster. I couldn't go home and walk around like a god. I'd be like, no, I'm fucking cheating. Like I, I have to confess everything because that's part of my OCD. And it holds me back, but like I don't take ideas. I won't even take a tag up line from a comedian. Do you know that? I won't. I don't know if I mentioned that before. I won't. Comedians do all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, do this, that. Oh, do, well, that joke you do, you need to say this. I don't do it. So if you're a comedian listening to this, don't tell me something about one of my jokes to punch up. I won't listen to it. I don't, I don't, I, that's, I don't do that. I appreciate it, but that's not what I do because at the end of the day, if I get a laugh from somebody else's content, I feel like shit about it. That's my own fucked up issue, but it still exists. This guy was winning Tour de France after Tour de France, all that shit, and just walking around like a god. No one he cheated. Fuck Lance Armstrong. And it's almost like George Carlin, uh, who's amazing. Wow. All right, I'm not going to give anything away, but holy shit. Wow, I think Peyton... Oh, boy. Anyway... I think that, um, you know, George Carlin had something something right, man. George Carlin knew shit. He was like psychic, man. He knew shit. He saw things. Even as crazy and fucked up as this sounds, like 9-11, he talked about it kind of in an indirect way. You know, buildings and people running out of buildings. It's weird. He said, you know, fuck Lance Armstrong, you know, fuck Tiger Woods. And then after that, like that stuff happened. It's just weird. Maybe it's coincidence, but Chris Rock said great comedians are psychic a little bit and, and or, or, or see things. And I don't know, but, you know, I, and I don't want to see this with Lance Armstrong. It's just when people get so mad, you know. People are like, no, you're wrong, you're wrong. And it's like 20 people aren't going to come forward. Friends of his that were sick to even admit it. Friends of his didn't want to do that. But when they had to testify, it made him sick. But they had to tell the truth. And he did it. And and listen, as far as everybody else doing it and him keeping up with the Joneses, that's fine. But notice how the guys that lie and spend millions to lie and Clemens and Bonds and lawyers, they're spending all this money for a lie. And it's just simple. Just come clean and tell the truth. Andy Pettit admitted to using HGH. You never hear about it again. Jason Giambi admitted to using steroids. He got another job at Colorado, and he, you know, he went on with his career for a while, and that's it. But it's just you move on. You're honest. You go, yeah, I fucked up. I made a mistake, and I did it. I'm sorry, and you move on, and nobody talks about it. But it's the Pete Roses of the world. I didn't gamble. I didn't gamble. I didn't gamble. And by the way, I, I'm the first. I, I think Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. I think 100% Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame based on what he did on the baseball field. But as far as him getting shit for what he did with the gambling and stuff, it's because he lied for two decades. You can't do it. That's all I'm saying. You can't do it. You got to come clean and you got to admit some shit. Lance Armstrong did it. And you know what? I told you fucker. So I was right. You were wrong. Fuck off. No, I don't mean that. All right. That's it, everybody. That's the show. Okay, we'll end up with some plugs. Here we go. 58 minutes in. So, this week, Sunday night, which is tomorrow, I am at Stand Up New York. Then I have Tuesday night, I am working out some material. I'm doing a spot, working out some of the stuff uh, at the Village Lantern, downtown New York. On uh, Wednesday, I am at Stand Up New York. And Thursday, I am at Gotham Comedy Club. And uh, hopefully, I will be on TV in your living room doing Gotham Comedy Live. Okay, for the Access TV Network. So check that out, and um, that's it. I'm going to be having some upcoming road dates, so you could check those out over here, over there. Wait, what? 
and um, I'll be there. I'll be around. So um, check out the new website. All the things are updated. And uh, enjoy the playoffs this weekend. I hope you do. And until episode number 95, thank you for listening. And again, download my uh, my sponsor, Butterfly Radio, the Versi Effect sponsored by Butterfly Radio. Download the free app on your iPhone or register on Butterfly.com to start your own podcast. And do it now. Thank you if you guys, uh, until, until number 95, thank you everybody. I really appreciate it and I will talk to you soon.